Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. I want to thank you all for being here today. Uh, it's a great day at South Park Church. We are in the Christian season of Lent in the year. And what this means is, is that the uh, six weeks that lead into uh, Easter Sunday, where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And we don't want to rush this season of Lent because it's, a, it's an, an intentional one. It's a, it's a powerful one. And basically what happens in the season of Lent is we're called to kind of do some self-examination. How is it with your soul? How is it with you and with God? And uh, our focus through our series called Guarded is, uh, is all about letting down our guard, getting vulnerable with God. And so we talked last week how we believe that we can really have a loving personal relationship with the God of the universe. Even though we can't see God like we see each other or, or hear from God or touch God, maybe like we do each other, we believe God is real. He's working in the world. He wants to be in a relationship with us. And so a key thing that we need to do is kind of let down our guard because it's easy for us to put up walls to, to the world and to others and even to God trying to hide our true selves from God. And so thank you for being here today as we, we've come back and we're going to start to look at some practical ways that we can do that. Each week we're going to focus on a one-word practice that uh, we'll be inviting you to go home and, 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 and actually do throughout the week that will help each one of us take another step closer in our relationship to God. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your, your hunger to have a relationship with God. And so let's dive in today and, and see what God has for in store for us in the scriptures. Uh, I recently read an online article from um, Adam Silver, who is the commissioner for the National Basketball Association, the NBA, the professional basketball players in uh, the United States and Canada. And he uh, gives every year kind of annual State of the Union of the NBA for people who like to follow that sort of thing. And he said he'd been visiting around all the major cities and uh, talking to the different players from the different teams, all these superstar young men. And he said he was surprised and saddened to learn just how many of the NBA players are truly not happy, uh, that they're anxious about their lives, that they're, they're not happy and, and, and for many different reasons. And uh, he said that he believes that in the United States that we're living in a season of anxiety. He says it's affecting the players in his league. And, uh, you know, what's interesting and shocking for most of us, you know, to think about is uh, these are young men. Uh, who are paid tens of millions of dollars every year to do what they love to do, to play basketball. Right? Who wouldn't want to be paid tens of millions of dollars to do what we love to do? And they're treated like rock stars, and uh, they, they don't have to drive themselves anywhere. They don't have to pay for food or clothes or shoes. And wherever they go, you know, people are, are screaming their name, and they're very famous and all that sort of thing. And yet they are unhappy. And so uh, for Mr. Silver, he cares about them and he also cares about his sport and wants to keep them happy. And so he's trying to figure this out. And he said something interesting. He thinks that it has a lot to do with social media, the pressures of social media uh, and, and all the, the weight that the players receive when they read all the negative criticism, that sort of thing. He also said that there's a saying in basketball that championships are won on the bus, not on the court, that it's the camaraderie, the team building of the players as they, they grow to be a family and have each other's back and, and enjoy doing what they do together. He said on the bus nowadays, uh, instead of having that camaraderie, most of the players are isolated and they're on their devices and they're listening to their headphones. And so there's a lot of isolation uh, and just a lot of anxiety and stress. And so the NBA is really trying to do a lot to help work with the players who are battling anxiety and depression and all sorts of things. And, and, I, and I think cer certainly social media probably has a lot to do with that, but I think there's probably other things going on. And one of those I'd, I'd like for us to explore today. Uh, and I wonder if it might be related to gratitude. 
I'm looking forward in two weeks to going to Haiti with our church mission team that's going down. And uh, it's going to be an exciting time to see how our, our clean water project's going to meet uh, some of the people in Haiti there and to love on them, to be loved on by them. And I'm excited to be able to take my oldest son, Luke, who was 11, uh, down to Haiti for many reasons. It's going to be great to have the time with him and, and bond and, and get to see, experience all this. And I'm also looking forward to uh, Luke having a chance to gain perspective. Because he, like you and I, we know what we know. We, we know our situation, our life that we're born in. And, and beyond that, it's hard to understand how the rest of the world really works until you go out and you see that. And so I'm really excited for Luke to gain a different perspective because I think sometimes that we Americans forget just how good we have it and, and how many things are going well in our lives. Nathan and Luke, my two boys, uh, great kids. I love them. I'm proud of them. They, they do so well in so many ways. And uh, but, but like you and me, sometimes we just get uh, caught up in the world of America and we forget to look at the perspective of, of, of what the world really looks like. And For example, Luke and Nathan love Nerf. They've got all these Nerf guns, and they love to shoot their dad with Nerf bullets and all that kind of stuff. And we've got like a tub of Nerf guns. We've got probably like 20 Nerf guns, uh, but it's never enough. It's like, Dad, where are we going to go to Target and get another, another Nerf gun? You know, well, what about the tub that you got here? Well, you know, that, that this there's a new one that's even better than that. And so uh, boys are big into basketball, and I just bought them a, a new outdoor basketball. We play a lot of basketball. And uh, then Luke decided that wasn't good enough. He used some of his own money, bought another basketball. And Nathan just got two basketballs. Uh, for his birthday, and so uh, we have, you know, we have like 10 basketballs. How many basketballs can you play with at one time? One. And so, you know, we have all this stuff. We think it's going to make us happy. It does make us happy for a while, but then it's not enough, and we want something else. So I'm looking forward for Luke to go down to Haiti and have some perspective of, of children who have a lot less than he does. They have a lot of problems because of that, but he's going to also meet a lot of children who have less than he does and they're full of joy. And I think that's going to be a good learning experience for him. And, you know, it's not just the NBA players. It's not just my 11-year-old son. I've talked recently about, uh, you know, some demographic work that's been done throughout the U.S. and that even here in South Park, where our church is and where we love to live and, and be and, and, and work and all that sort of thing, very affluent community, a lot of folks doing well here, and a lot of people want to be here, be part of South Park, come visit us and, and be a part of that. But uh, in those demographics and those studies, it says that the overall sense of well-being in our community is actually low. And that doesn't mean everybody, you know, has a, a low sense of well-being, but it is, it's, it's, the, it's the average kind of well-being in South Park is low. And so in a place that has everything, why is that? I'm just wondering, when you came in today, what anxiety did, did you bring with you and uh, what weighs heavy on your heart? You know, we're all about here at South Park Church living life to the full. We believe that's what Jesus called us to do. How many of us are, are living that life to the full? Or, or how many of us are just constantly worried or stressed or full of fear and uh, that doesn't feel like living life to the full? So if you're feeling that pull towards anxiety... Uh, towards uh, stress, towards that fear that, wow, you know, Adam Silver is this pretty smart guy, and I think he's got his pulse on, uh, on, the, on the community, on, on America. Why don't we feel more life to the full when we live in this amazing community, when we have God as our Lord and Savior, when we have this church family together? You know, why do we constantly feel this struggle of, of anxiety? Uh, and so let's look at that. And let's look at what the Bible has to teach us today. We're going to be in the New Testament to begin with, and uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. A gospel means the good news of Jesus. 
Uh, it's the life, death, uh, resurrection of Jesus and what that means for us in our lives. Uh, Luke is uh, one of the writers of the four Gospels. And Luke was a physician, a doctor in the first century. He was a, a believer. He was a disciple. And so he is writing down an eyewitness account of uh, Jesus and his ministry. So we're in Luke's Gospel, uh, and we're kind of in the middle of Luke's Gospel. The first part of Luke's Gospel talks about Jesus' ministry in Galilee. It's a, it's a big uh, lake, a sea of Galilee in the northern part of Israel. It's really beautiful. He does a lot of his ministry there. At the end of his ministry, he goes to Jerusalem in the south. It's the capital of the big city. Uh, uh, it's the capital country of Israel. And that's where Jesus is going to die. And he's going to come back to life. And between that, Mar- uh, Luke spends 10 entire chapters about Jesus's journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. And in those 10 chapters, we learn a lot about Jesus. And he does a lot of teaching and healing and miracles. And, and so we're right in the middle of this journey, this major journey from uh, Galilee to Jerusalem. And let's see what Jesus has to teach us. Uh, From Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Galilee's in the north. Samaria's kind of on the side of that. Uh, What we need to know is that the people of Israel, the Israelites, and the Samaritans hate each other. right? Just hate each other. Can't go into all the details, but they hate each other. And so Jesus is kind of passing near this area. Uh, We continue with verse uh, 12. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, leprosy in the first century was a, a wide range of skin diseases that would pop up on your skin. If you, if you had something come up on your skin that you thought might be leprosy, you would go and you had to, the law said you had to go show yourself to a priest. The priest evidently had some medical uh, kind of responsibilities, was supposed to look at the person. Uh, If they had leprosy, that meant that they were unclean. Uh, And so they would then have to go and say goodbye to their families, goodbye to their friends, walk away from their jobs, walk away from their city, their hometown, and they were banished. Right, so if you had leprosy and had to show yourself to the priest, this was like the end of your of your world, of your social life. You had to leave everything, and and you had to go out. and And if you're lucky, you might find another colony or another group of people who were lepers, and you hang out together. But whenever you got in in uh, proximity to anyone else who was not a leper, you had to yell out, "Unclean, unclean! I am unclean. Stay away from me!" Right, that was that was the law, and so. To be a leper was like a sentence worse than death. Right? You're a, a pariah, an outcast in the society. And so uh, this is a terrible thing. So there are these 10 lepers and they see Jesus and they're supposed to stay away from anybody, especially a religious leader like Jesus. And, uh, but they take a chance. Maybe they've heard of Jesus. They've heard of his stories. They know him by name. They call him Master Jesus and, and they beg for mercy. Right? They're taking a chance. They're going against protocol. They're not supposed to be in, in touch with Jesus, but they yell out to him. They, they see him as approachable. And, and so they reach out, have mercy on us. Right? Have mercy. You know, underlying that is probably heal us. Heal us. Make us better. So when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, the only reason that a leper would go and show themselves to the priest was that their leprosy had had cleared up. So Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest. But they still had the skin disease, right? But it says that they went anyway. So this is most likely their demonstration of faith. Jesus, this guy who's supposed to be known for healing, says, go to the priest. We're not healed yet, but let's trust him. And lo and behold, sure enough, as they're walking away, as they're going to show themselves to the priest, it says they were cleansed. And so their leprosy was gone. Now, you can imagine how shocked they might be, how surprised they might be, how relieved they might be. It's like, wow, now I can have my life back. 
I can go and see my spouse, my family, my, my children, my friends. I maybe can get my job back. I can get back and sleep in my old bed, go back home to my hometown. And, and right, my life is completely going to change. can't imagine the many different emotions that's going through these 10 men's minds. Okay, so we continue. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. So this is a double outcast. He was a leper and he was a Samaritan. And most likely the other nine uh, lepers were people of Israel because they said this one was definitely a Samaritan. So he came back and he gave thanks. It just meant the world to him. Right. So then we continue. Jesus asked then, were there not were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Right. A lot going on here. Right? Where were the other guys? I'm sure they were grateful. Maybe they were super excited. They just were, they couldn't wait to go see their families and friends. And they figured, you know, we'll thank Jesus later. Maybe they were in shock. They couldn't believe that they had really been healed. Maybe they were just obedient. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Like, I got to go show myself to the priest. I'm grateful. But he said to do this, so I'm going to go. And, and maybe some of them were just so caught up in the moment. Uh, but he says one of them did come back. And that meant something to Jesus. And it was the foreigner. It was the double outcast. And so it says that Jesus came for everyone. Jesus came not just for his own people. He cares for all people. Then Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is a very interesting verse because obviously he's been made well already with his physical healing. But it seems like now because the leper, the former leper came back and he, he thanked Jesus. He praised Jesus. Not only did he have a physical healing, now it seems that Jesus is, is offering him some kind of a spiritual blessing, right? Some kind of a, a blessing on the inside, like where we have our anxiety, where we have our fears, where we have the stress inside of, you know, all that junk that we carry in ourselves. I can't imagine the junk and the anxiety that a former leper who just had been healed had had inside of himself. You know, maybe guilt, maybe shame, maybe distance from God, maybe distance from other people. And through his gratitude, through his faith, now not only has he been cleansed on the outside, but he's been cleansed on the inside, which some would say would be the greater miracle, that Jesus stands ready to forgive us and to cleanse us and to make things right on the inside, to to help us with our anxiety, to help us with our fears, to help us with our brokenness, with our sin and our guilt and our shame. And, And what a wonderful blessing that this man receives from Jesus, not only externally, but internally, with all that anxiety that, that we struggle with, that the NBA players struggle with, Adam Silver struggles with, that our, our nation struggles with, right? this leper found some peace and he found the beginning of life to the full. Doesn't that, doesn't that sound appealing? And it seems to me in this passage of Scripture that it's very important to Jesus that we offer gratitude to God. Uh, because I think sometimes when, when we don't offer gratitude to God, then, then we begin to take things for granted. And when we're not giving God specific thanks for the things that we have in our lives, we begin to take them for granted. uh, And we begin to become unhappy. And we begin to look at things that we don't have and situations that aren't going our way. And so rather than focusing on the good in our lives, we begin to focus on what's not there. And and we look elsewhere when all the time we've got all this great stuff that's God doing in our lives. Now, 
To compound that, in our culture, in the American culture, uh, we live in a culture of consumerism. And there's good things about that and there's negative things about that. And the negative part about that is, is that there are some very smart people in boardrooms around our nation who have access to television and all kinds of media. And, and their goal of spending millions and sometimes billions of dollars is to convince you and me that we shouldn't be happy with what we have. That we need to be happy by buying what they're selling, right? You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not handsome enough. You're not thin enough. You're not musical enough. You're not good enough at your grades, right? Whatever it is, right? Whatever we're not good at, we're going to look for someone to help us get better at. And, and by the way, we're glad to help you, and it'll just cost you a little bit of money, right? And so that's the way of our world. And again, there's good things to that, but there are some negative things to that. And so there's this constant anxiety that what we have is not good enough. And so we're always chasing something else. And we're always trying to fill ourselves with, with other things in our lives, whether that's activities or whether that's consuming spiritual, you know, or uh, physical goods or, or whatever it is. There is money to be made when we don't feel comfortable with what we have. And so what we have is not good enough. It's never good enough. And so we're, we're never satisfied. We're trying to chase something to make us satisfied. You know, there's another word for that where it's never enough, never good enough. We're always trying to, to get something to make us feel satisfied. Some folks would call that an addiction. An addiction. Brothers and sisters, what are you addicted to? It may or may not be a drug like marijuana or cocaine or heroin. Right? It's something that we continue to feel is just not Filling us up, not making us feel satisfied. Is that money? Is that a title? Is that respect? Is that a house? Is that clothes? I mean, what is it that we're addicted to where the world says it's never enough, never going to be satisfied because I need you to keep coming back and, and buying my product or buying my service? And so what is it that we are addicted to? And causes us anxiety because we, we just, we're not living life to the full because we don't have what we need and someone's ready to provide that for us. Now, I think an immunization to that, an immunization to that addiction is gratitude. I think we see it with Jesus. I think we see it with the leper. I think that guy had to have tons of anxiety and, and tons of issues. But when he began to give gratitude, right, Jesus offered him this healing inside of him with whatever anxiety and guilt and shame or whatever he was carrying around. And I think Jesus offers that to us as well. I want, I want us to think about, just, let's just think about this for a minute, about how much is going right in our lives right now. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that at all because we have so much stress and anxiety. But I think if we stopped and we really started thinking about it, I think there's a lot of stuff in our lives right now that's going very well because God has placed that into our lives. Let me ask it maybe in a different way. What if your doctor came to you and said, in two weeks you're going to lose your eyesight? But uh, we can do this procedure and it's going to cost a lot of money if you want to keep your eyesight. How much money would we pay to keep our eyesight? We'd probably give them everything that we have, right? I, I've got to keep my eyes out. What, what if the doctor came and said to you, you know, you're going to lose your hearing in two weeks, but, you know, if we have this treatment, you want to spend your money, we, we can keep your hearing. Or, or what if your doctor said, you know, we're going to have to take your arm off and, and amputate your arm. Or what if the doctor came and said, uh, you know, uh, your, your, your best friend or your spouse is going to die in, in two weeks, but we can save them if you know if you if you, if you spend money to do this. Right? If, for any one of those things, 
any one of those things, we would say, take all of our money. I want to keep my vision. I want to keep the ability to, to see and take, 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 take everything that I have. I want to keep my loved one alive, right? So what I'm trying to say is there is a lot of stuff in our life that we have that is, is so valuable you couldn't put a price on it. But we don't give God gratitude for that. We, we take it for granted. And we chase after other things that will never make us happy when we have so much in our lives already that we just don't stop and take the time to say, thank you, God. I have so much in my life, and I, I can be grateful for that. Right? And maybe it's simple just to stop and to really give God thanks over some, some details in our life. What if we gave God thanks for our bodies Starting at your toes and going up to your hair. What, what if we thank God for that? Like, God, thank you for my toes. Right? Thank you that I have toes, that without them, when I was trying to walk, I would fall on my face every day. You know, thank you, God, that I have toes, that when I was a little baby, somebody was you know, playing uh, this little piggy with those little toes because I had somebody in my life that, that loves me so much. God, thank you for my feet. I know they stink sometimes. I know these dogs are barking sometimes, and i got to put them in like a hot tub to, to make them feel better. But without my feet, Lord, I, I wouldn't be able to walk. Thank you, God, for legs. Thank you for knees, that I can bend them, and I can go up and down stairs, that I can, I can bend down and tie my shoelaces. Uh, thank you, God, that I have knees that I can bend down and I can pray to you. God, thank you for my stomach. I know I'd like it to be a little thinner, uh, but Lord, because I have a stomach and, and because I'm here, uh, you know, I am full and I thank you for that. God, thank you for the lungs inside of me that I can breathe in and I can breathe out, God, that I'm breathing every day. Thank you for the heart that pumps the blood through my body that says I'm alive. Thank you for arms, God, that I can hug the people that I love in my life. Thank you for hands that I can wave and I can, I can play basketball or I can play music, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for eyes that I can see, all the beautiful things that you've given me. Thank you for ears that I can hear. Thank you for the, the mouth that I can eat and taste food, Lord, that I can sing and cheer and laugh and, and scream and cry, Lord. If we begin... To really go through all of the things that God has given us, all the many blessings that we have, I think we would focus so much on all that we had that we wouldn't worry about the things that we don't have. A lot of the anxiety in our life would go away because we'd realize we have more than enough that God's already given to us. Right? You can do that with our. We can do that with our bodies. What if we started listing the people in our lives that God has blessed us with, our family and our friends and our, our church family? What if we started thanking God for the, the hobbies that we love, uh, for music, for dance, for art, for all the, all the things that God has given us in our lives? If we just begin to look at the houses that we live in, the clothes that we have, the neighborhoods where we are, you know, just the workplace where we go, the abilities that we have, if we started listing the things that God has done for us, I think most of our anxiety would just dissipate, right? Not all of it, but most of our anxiety would dissipate because we realize how good God is and how good our lives really are. I think there's so many things that we have. Our life is so much better than we think it is because we're focusing on what we don't have rather than on the blessings that God has given to us. And I just, you know, let me ask you the question. How much is, is enough? How much do we need in our life to be happy? How much do we need to have enough, right? Money, clothes, cars, uh, you name it. You know, if you ask most people, they'd say just a little bit more, right? We'd always say just like a little bit more. If you're making this much, you want this much more. If you have this house, you like this much bigger house. You know, I think we'd all say a little bit more, right? Let's see what the Bible says when we talk about how much 
is enough to make us grateful, to make us joyful that we have what we need. So uh, I want to look at two different people in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament. The first, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul, who wrote uh, most of the New Testament. He would start churches, and he would write letters to the churches. He'd write letters to the pastors, and we collect those, and most of those are in the New Testament. Uh, and then we're going to look at Jesus, the Son of God himself. And check this out. This is, this is what the Bible says is enough. Paul writes to a pastor named Timothy, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Paul says to Timothy, all we need to have is food and clothing. That's, that's all we need. Now, I can't see you because those lights are on me and you're out there in the darkness. But I'm assuming today that everyone in the, in, in the sanctuary here today has clothes on. Is that a safe assumption? Right? And I'm assuming everyone who is here today, no one is starving. You might be hungry right now, but in life, you're not starving, right? So already we have everything that we need, according to the Apostle Paul, right? Then he says in Philippians, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says, I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to have a lot. In either circumstance, I have found a way to be content because I can look at the many things that God has given me. Whatever my circumstance, whether I have a lot, whether I have a little, I have what I need and I can be content in that. I can enjoy in that because Jesus is working through me. Now let's look at what Jesus says himself. We just prayed with Pastor Kevin, uh, the Lord's Prayer, and we prayed this verse where Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. God, give me what I need today. I need food. I need oxygen. Right? I, I, need, I need people who love me. God, give me today what I need. Don't worry about tomorrow. Right? God, give me today what I need. Right? When I read those three passages of scriptures and I think about our congregation, I think about our community, brothers and sisters, we have everything that we need. Not just to be content, but to be happy, to be full of joy. I, I invite you to turn to someone right now and say, thank God I have everything I need. Turn to someone right now and say, thank God I have everything that I need. It's true. It, it's true. It, it, it's a secret of, of happiness, right? It's not how much we have. It's being grateful for what we do have. Paul goes on to write to the Thessalonian church, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That even in, in bad circumstances, even in hard times, even in anxious times, even in painful times, that we can rejoice always, not for the circumstances, you know, not, hey, I'm glad I have terminal illness. I'm glad that someone that I love just died. I'm glad that I lost my eyesight. I'm, you know, I'm glad that I, I'm not able to walk anymore. It's not saying that. It's like, it says, be grateful, give thanks in all circumstances. Yes, I lost my job. Yes, someone I love died. Yes, uh, I'm physically ailing and hurting. That stinks. And I can be mad about that. And I can be sad about that. And it's okay to, to process that and, and get all of that out. But at the same time, when we lose all this stuff, we still have things in our life that God gives us. He gives us today. He gives us hope. He gives us breath. He gives us vision. He gives us the beauty of the earth. He gives us people in our lives who love us. Right? And so we can be grateful that we still have things even though we lose and, and hurt from things. 
Right? It's okay to grieve those and to be angry and to be upset, but, but at the same time we can rejoice because God is still with us. The God of the universe who loves us sent his son in the world to die for us and to come back to life so we can be in a, in a, in a right relationship with God and live life to the full. Right? So what? So what does this mean for me in my life? What does it mean for me and God? What does it, what does it mean in everyday life? So, so what's the point? This, this is what I think it is. Right? To thank God is to know God. To thank God is to know God. We want to know God. We want to be in a relationship with God. The more we thank God, the more we realize how good God is to us. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my church. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for the sunset. Right, God, thank you for getting me through hard times. Yes, I'm in a hard time right now. I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. But I look back in my life and God, guess what? You've gotten me through a bunch of hard times. And so when we thank God, we know who God is. We begin to understand that God is a good God. God is with us. God is bringing good into our lives, even in difficult circumstances. The more we thank God, the more we see the blessings that God has given us, the more we can trust that God is a good God. God is on our side. And so if we want to know God, be in a relationship with God, then we need to spend some time thanking God. To thank God is to know God. And so our word for the week is thanks. What I would encourage you to do this week is to go home every day and spend some time thanking God. You start with your toes, go to your hair. Start with a list of all of your family and your friends. Start with the great things that are at your job or in, in your hobby or in your neighborhood or in your family, right? Make thanks the operative word this week, and you're going to know God. You're going to know a lot about God when you start listing things. And, and start looking at how your anxiety level is probably going to be dropping the more that you're thanking God for the things that are working in your lives. There's some companion words that go with thanks. I think you can, we can say this week the word again. Thank you, God, again for today. Thank you, God, again that I'm breathing. Thank you, God, again that my wife loves me. Thank you, God, again that I have children. Thank you, God, again that I have grandchildren. Thank you, God, again that I have best friends. Another word we can use with thanks is this. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, God, for this meal. Thank you, God, for this car. Thank you, God, for these clothes. Thank you, God, for these lights. Thank you, God, for these comfortable chairs in this church uh, movie theater that I'm sitting in. And another word that goes with thanks is with. It's great to experience things with people, to experience things with God. Laura and I went to watch our youngest son, Nathan, in his track practice this week, and we loved watching him and his little elbows going around, right, this seven-year-old running around the track, and we experienced that together. Thank you, God, that we're with each other to experience this. Right? Make thanks the operative word this week. To thank God is to know God. The more we focus on what God's doing in our lives, and I know that's cliche. I know it's kind of Pollyanna. Count your blessings, count them one by one, see what God has done. I get it, right? But it's true. The more we thank God, the more we're going to know God. And, you know, we're all about living life to the full in our church, South Park Church, because we believe that's what Jesus calls us to do, is to live life to the full. And our three core values are, are relationships and transformation and generosity. And I think Thanksgiving underlies all of that. Right? We're thankful for our relationships with God and each other. We're thankful for transformation, that God meets us where we are and he helps us become something more. We're thankful that God has given us so much that we can give back to others with our time and with our money and with our talents and abilities. The two questions that I, I, I ask you to wrestle with at the end of every day, where did I resist Jesus today? Where did I work with Jesus today? I think the more we're thanking God, the more we're working with God and the less that we're resisting God. Right? Gratitude's a big part of it. And it's not just the NBA players. It's not just South Park. It's, you know, it's not just my son that needs to go to Haiti. I need to go to Haiti for, for some perspective. 
Um, this week, my parents were weekend. My parents were in town. It's great to see them and catch up with them. And we were celebrating Laura's birthday early, and they wanted to see Luke and me before we go to Haiti. And uh, we're celebrating my mom and you know, recovering from her heart surgery. And uh, Laura, my wife, fixed a great meal last night for all of us. And came in and sat down and eating the meal. And Laura makes like the best sweet tea, and she puts so much sugar in it. I love it. And uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I poured myself a big glass of sweet tea, and uh, I, I turned it up, and I'm like, and, and uh, it wasn't our usual tea. It, it was like this green tea, and it had like this vanilla flavor to it. And I'm like, what is that? She's like, oh, we ran out of our tea. That's the, you know, the sleepy time, dream time tea. I'm like, you're trying to drug me? You know, this stuff is nasty. And, and she's like, Kyle Thompson, that's how you reacted? You, you could say, thanks for making me a home-cooked meal. You know, thanks for making me some sweet tea, you know, right? Again, it's not just my 11-year-old son who needs perspective. I need some perspective, right? And to put this in context, again, my mom's here, uh, and we're celebrating, you know, she's getting ready to graduate from her rehabilitation process, from her, from her, uh, her cardio work after she's had open-heart surgery. It wasn't long ago that I wasn't even sure if I'd ever see my mom again. And, and so I, I'm, I'm understanding that. I'm thanking God for, for this moment with my mom and my family that, you know, she's here and she's alive and we have, you know, more days ahead together. But in the same time, I'm taking my wife, uh, you know, for granted that she's slaving over a hot stove and, and, you know, her husband comes in and the only thing he can do is complain about the tea, right? How many of us need a new perspective? And we don't need to go to Haiti to do that, do we? We need to do that in our own lives. Brothers and sisters, you, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know the anxiety that I'm talking about? Do you know the anxiety that Adam Silver's talking about and these NBA young superstars are, are experiencing? We have everything that we need and more living in this great country. We have God. We have each other. We have a church. We're, we have clothes. We have food. We have shelter. And we put so much pressure on ourselves, so much pressure on ourselves to get something that we already have. And we're stressed and we're anxious and we're upset and we're fearful. We go through real anxious times. I get it, right? Our denomination is going through an anxious time. That causes me anxiety, causes our church leadership anxiety. But I look back in the history of our church and our denomination and we've gone through anxious times and God has been good to us and he's delivered us, right? When we thank God, we know God. God's a good God. God gets us through difficult times. Wouldn't you like to just let some of that anxiety go and to be like the one leper and and you realize what God's done for you, not only on the outside but on the inside, to say, I'm done with anxiety. I'm done with all this guilt and shame. I'm I'm done with just, just chasing after stuff that I don't need when God has given me everything that I need right here and right now. Amen. Thank you, Brother Carol. What we need to do is to say thanks to God. So this week, brothers and sisters, if you feel that anxiety, you feel that stress, you feel that pressure. I had someone say to me when out in the lobby, my husband was just diagnosed with cancer this week. Pastor Kyle, this is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you for bringing the word about anxiety. I can let some of this go and trust that God is with us, right? It's real life. It's real stuff. You don't have to make a mission trip. We can do it in our own lives right here, right now. To thank God is to know God. Brothers and sisters, I invite you to spend some time this week thanking and knowing God. And I think you'll be closer to God. I think you'll have less anxiety. And I think we'll all be the better for it. To know God, 
We need to thank God. Thank God this week in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.